to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. So in this episode of the podcast, we continue our ongoing spotlight on executive MBA clubs and organizations with an interview with Jared Mack. Jared is a student in our executive MBA class of 2023, and he is also the president of the Veteran Executive Students at Darden Student Organization. Jared and I recently connected via Zoom to talk more about his background, how he decided to pursue an MBA, what led him to take on a leadership role as he enters his second year as an executive MBA student, and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here is my interview with Jared Mack. Jared, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to see you here. Gosh, you are almost, I mean, you, I think you are technically officially a second year student. Somebody told me from your class that you've collectively already completed like something like 56% of the coursework uh, for the course, which I guess would mean, yeah, you are entering your second year. I can't believe it's gone by so fast. Uh, yeah, we're a little more than halfway there. It's, uh, it's a good feeling. That's right. Moving into the elective period. Are you looking forward to that? Very much so. Um, they teased the course listing when we first started here last year. Um, but to now see the actual listing, it's got everyone pretty excited um, for what's to come. How are you thinking about picking electives? I'm always curious to hear students' thoughts on this particular question. Well, at first, you look at the list and you think, man, I'm going for the class that are, classes that are just super interesting and just really cool classes. But for someone like me who's in the military, who's looking to get out at the conclusion of the program, I really have to think about what classes could be beneficial to me when I get out, not just cool to learn about. Like there's a class on investing, which I would love to learn more about investing, but like, I don't know if I want to go to Wall Street and work in investments. And so it's kind of a balancing act of like really cool classes to like, well, I actually want to go into renewables so let me focus on some ESG courses instead of like the cool, you know, data or finance classes. That's awesome. I was wondering if you were still interested in the sustainability. I know that's something that we talked about when you were applying and sometimes that stays the same and sometimes it changes. Uh, so it sounds like you still have that interest. I think so. Um, I've talked to a couple of my classmates who are in renewables, wind energy, solar and hydro, um, and they really are um they love their job, love the industry, and even more so the outlook for the industry is positive. Um, it, it isn't just a fad, it's here to stay. It's only gonna grow and continue to permeate all aspects of business and society. And so it's, uh, it's, it's nice to, to try to be on the cutting edge of that. Yeah, I will say, I mean, you look at the conversation globally, domestically here, trying to figure out, you know, climate change, how do we address some of this stuff? Um, it's been really fascinating. One of the great things about our, our job and admissions is you get to meet all these interesting people and hear firsthand uh, their story and what they work on. And you're, you're right. You have classmates that are directly involved with these industries and doing this work. And so it's such a treat just to get, hear firsthand, you know, some of the things that, that they're doing. And uh, you feel like you end up knowing a little bit about a lot, which makes you pretty dangerous in the conversation. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's one of the one of the privileges of being involved with admissions. So I'm glad to hear you still have that interest. Yeah, 100 percent. I um, I thought it might change first uh, few quarters here at Darden. There are some great classes, uh, I'm, you know, on accounting and finance. I thought, man, some of this stuff's actually pretty interesting. I, I wonder if I could go into this. Um, 
but I think I want to stick with the sustainability approach um, and see if I can't um, marry some of my interest of finance and supply chain into the environmental sustainability uh, industry. All right. Well, let's go back a little bit. Uh, we talked about electives and we talked about uh, career interests and all this kind of stuff, but let's set the scene uh, a bit more. Um, this is a conversation that's continuing on our, our ongoing spotlight on executive MBA clubs and organizations. And of course, we're going to talk about the veteran executive students at Darden Club. You're, you're one of the leaders of that club. Before we get there, let's talk about you. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about you and your background. Well, uh, obviously, my name is Jared Mack. I am uh, I hail from Houston, Texas, um, and I am a graduate of the United States Naval Academy. Um, I graduated there in 2013 with a degree in poli-sci, um, although I went into the supply corps in, in the Navy, which is the Navy's business, supply, finance, and logistics branch. Um, so not really using my, my political science degree, um, but enjoying it nonetheless. I've been stationed in a few places up in Newport, Rhode Island, Japan, DC, San Diego. Uh, and currently I'm at the Naval Academy again as the assistant supply officer um, in charge of feeding the midshipmen, getting them their pay, uh, you know, send them on summer travel and just taking care of all the financial stuff um, for the Academy. I can remember when you were a prospective student, when you were applying, I feel like it was a complicated time uh, in the work that you uh, did because of COVID and everything going on. Um, felt like maybe the supply corps work and you know being on a ship had become much more complicated. Yeah, I was out in San Diego uh, on a ship, and uh, I remember I got one day off of work. It was a Tuesday, sent everybody home, and then on Wednesday, the captain was like, "Yeah, I need everyone come back." <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, it was tough. Uh, the supply chain shortages were immense and hard to overcome. Um, the people were getting obviously affected uh, uh, health-wise, and so it was hard to, to kind of man the ship and, and keep all the requirements going. Um, and then on top of that, I got engaged and then trying to plan a wedding and then got orders to the Naval Academy, applying to grad school, interviewing, studying for a GMAT, GRE. Uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, it was one thing after another. And of course, you moved across country. So we're talking about all the life events uh, that happened. Remember, um, I guess this is post-application uh, submission and decision. I recall that you were making your way uh, from San Diego um, out to Annapolis. Yeah, and I caught COVID in, in the middle of that. So um, I had to like quarantine at my mom's house in Houston. You know, thank goodness we were close to Houston. But uh, it was it was just one thing after another, just getting here and finally get to Annapolis and took us two and a half months to secure a house to live in. So we're in a hotel for like 90 days. Um, so it was, it was in a whirlwind of two years of just life stuff. Um, and so got married in January. And so it's just been one thing at another hoping to calm down at some point, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Well, after all of that, you know, like an executive MBA program, that's, you know, no big deal. Yeah, <laughs> easy, easy peasy. Um, how did you decide you wanted to pursue an MBA? When did this idea you know, come to you? Um, so in the supply corps and the Navy, um, I think unlike other communities in the Navy, an MBA is, is a part of the progression of the career track. So whether they send you to the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, California, or they send you to a civilian institution 
Um, it's kind of in your path, if you stay in, to get an MBA. And while I was stationed in D.C., uh, there's a Navy program that UVA sponsors where you are able to go down to Charlottesville for three weeks and have a Navy insights to industry management course experience for three weeks. Um, and so I knew I wanted to get an MBA at some point. I knew I would kind of have to. Um, and so that was around 2016, 17 that I seriously started considering, well, it's going to be coming here in the next five years or so. I will need to go back to school at some point. Um, and so from then, it was just kind of prepping myself mentally to enter into uh, or re-enter into an educational space after undergrad, which is uh, I promised myself I would never go back to school again after undergrad. But here I am. You're not the first executive MBA <laughs> podcast guest to say such a thing. Like after undergrad, I, I was done with school. I was never going to do it again. And then I ended up doing an executive MBA program. I guess joke's on me. Yeah. Um, how did you pick the supply core? How did, how did you say that's how you wanted to serve? Um, well, originally I wanted to be a pilot, um, but then I went in for some um, for a, uh, a medical appointment and I, they realized that I had a medical condition that uh, disqualified me from being everything except for like a lawyer, supply corps officer, you know, meteorologist officer, intel officer. I couldn't deploy, couldn't wear a helmet, couldn't go on long or freaking employments. And so um, my mentor at the time was actually a retired supply corps officer. And he would have killed me if I hadn't gone supply corps as my as my choice. And so it's kind of like, well, this is what I'm going to do. Um, it, it's all worked out. It's been fantastic. Um, but it was definitely not my first choice um, when I entered the academy. Yeah, one of the things that I've learned as I've talked with some folks who've gone to the Naval Academy and other, other uh, service academies is there are a number of people, particularly at the Naval Academy, who I think originally started off on that pilot route. They wanted to be a pilot. Maybe it's Top Gun, something like that. <laughs> but, you know, maybe they end up making a different choice. It's always interesting uh, to me to hear people's progression. And in, I've had the good fortune in my job to learn a lot more uh, about the service branches and the work that people do. But I imagine for some of our listeners, it might be a little bit of a surprise to hear that the Supply Corps is kind of like the business arm of the U.S. Navy. Yeah, it's one of the communities... And there are, are several others that the, the public would have no reason to know about them in a kind of an odd way to say that, um, because you can assume there's doctors, you can assume there's lawyers, everyone's seen, you know, a few good men, everyone's seen Top Gun, everyone's seen Down Periscope or The Hunt for October, but there's no Supply Corps movie of guys counting candy bars in the storeroom or like counting or, you know, handing out rolls of toilet paper or putting food on a tray. And so it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. There should be someone doing that. But it isn't like there's like a whole community of officers and enlisted folks just doing that as their full-time job. And so I didn't know it existed at all until my, 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 my mentor kind of told me about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, someone's got to order the parts. I thought it was like a, some other guy or gal just ordering the parts. But no, it's a dedicated department on ships, at air squadrons. Every SEAL team has a supply department. Every EOD team. Um, the White House mess where the president eats is run by a supply corps officer. Camp David is run by supply corps folks. And so we're everywhere. Uh, we permeate all um, uh, areas of the Navy and Marine Corps. Um, and so uh, it's, it's bigger than most people think. And it's bigger than I thought even when I started in, in, the, in the supply corps. All right. So you end up in the supply corps. 
You also said, I'm never going back to school, but mm-hmm. then you decide to pursue an MBA. Um, what about Darden, uh, PLT? Um, well, first off, uh, I had gone here in 2017 uh, um, for that Navy Insights course, um, but that was just a taste. We didn't really interact with too many of the full-time students. Uh, we interacted with some of the professors there, um, but when it came time to apply, I had played chicken with the Navy on where I would go next. I was either academy or I'm getting out. And in the end, the Navy uh, kind of gave in and I got orders to the academy. And so I knew I needed to be on the East Coast for a school. But I think regardless, Darwin would have been at the top of my list because as this isn't to toot your own horn, Brett, but every time I emailed you or anyone at the school, I got a response back in a day or two. I emailed some other schools, not going to name names, and I didn't hear back for weeks. I didn't hear back from the students, from the professors, from the admission staff, or anyone. But at UVA, even before I even talked to anyone, it was so welcoming and so inviting. That I was like, if they're going to roll out the red carpet for people who just emailed to ask questions, that no offense, I probably could have Googled anyway. But someone's emailing back a full two-paragraph email, I can only imagine how they're going to treat people who are actually in the program or alumni. And so that got me interested off the bat. And then being in the military, I'm using my GI Bill for the program and UVA's uh, 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 veterans um, department of the registrar office has been extremely helpful answering all my questions. Um, the, the, the professors are ranked number one in the country. You can talk about the post uh, graduation uh, compensation and go on and on and on. But to me, it was the people. It was every student I talked to, every, every professor, every admissions council person was immediately welcoming, uh, been over backwards answering the questions I had. Uh, there were so many opportunities to network with people. There were so many calls and, 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 and Zoom calls that were offered that it was like, I mean, I got to apply at least. This is like, you'd be remiss not to at least apply to get in this program. Uh, and I did. And thankfully, I'm here now. All right. So you come to the program. All right. So again... You're, you're starting a, starting an MBA program. You had a little bit of a taste in the executive education, but that's it's not quite the same, as you noted. Uh, so you're a student again. Uh, what was that like uh, starting out uh, as the Darden, Darden student in the executive MBA program? Um, it, was, it was pretty stressful and challenging at first, uh, not because of what well, the material is difficult, as any top-tier program would be, but it's just getting back into the, 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 the routine of being in, a, in the halls of education of higher learning. It's how do I actually study? Am I just a read the cases and memorize the case facts and hope in class I don't get cold called? Am I a take detailed three-page notes for one case? And so for me it was, man, I forgot how to learn in an academic setting. Um, I forgot how to academically work with others on problems and on um, and divvying up tasks because we all have experience with work-related teams, but academic teams are slightly different than work teams. And so for me, it was getting prepared mentally for that, um, but also keeping an open mind of it could be totally different than how I am preparing and being prepared to change on a, on a whim or a moment's notice of how I'm doing my studying, case prep, et cetera. Yeah, you're right. The work teams, right? There's a hierarchy. There's a structure. Someone's in charge, that kind of thing. A learning team, everybody's just a student. So technically, nope, nobody's 
per se in charge. Now, there may be a little bit more of a structure that starts to creep in over time in terms of how the group works together. Maybe somebody who's more comfortable taking the lead on some of this stuff. But you got to figure that out. That's all part of the part of the process. And I appreciate your note around like just getting back into school mode again. You know, when people talk to us about the program and adjustments, using those muscles, studying again, having homework again, figuring out what it means to be prepared for a Darden class, uh, what it meant to be prepared for maybe an undergraduate class or another graduate degree uh, might be different um, than what a Darden class is going to ask of you because, well, it's participatory. You got to show up ready to participate in in class. And so um, how has your approach evolved uh, during your time in the program? You know, here you are closing out quarter five. So where are you now in terms of your academic approach? I think I've changed in a few ways. The first one being when I first started off, I took the more extreme approach. Um, Not to say that I don't read all the cases now, but I would read every case very slowly, take detailed notes, go over things with a fine tooth comb and kind of get into the nitty gritty of every case. And over time, I've realized that you have to look at what class you're in and the point of the case for an accounting class. The history of the company and the founder's like childhood story for the first paragraph, not necessarily important to the accounting stuff in the back. Some things in the case will give you details and give you information that kind of shape the founder or the business person's perspective. And that can give you an insight later on to business decisions. But I found that it's taken me a while to really um, to process cases and process homework with respect to what class I'm in, because we're all full-time, we're all full-time students and we're all full-time employed. A lot of, a lot of people in the class have kids, have families. Uh, and like I said, I just got married myself. I don't have time always to read an 18 page case in detail and go over it. And so now I've been, I've come accustomed to giving myself some space to not always read everything, but to do my best to be prepared um, because you have to balance school life and work. And so my gung-ho approach at first, while I was over, I was very prepared, I was almost too prepared. And I lost focus of what the class was about and having that big picture executive MBA mindset and vision uh, for the class, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of students' experience, right? Where you charge into it, you read everything, maybe case, oh, you know, read every case like it's your last case. Um, and that's just not sustainable where you're going to be doing, you know, you think about a weekend residency, well, you're going to have probably about 13 class sessions in a weekend residency, probably doing one case per class session. Um, you got to make some, you got to make some tough choices sometimes in how you're spending your time, uh, in the lead up to that weekend residency. Cause again, you want to be ready for class and prepared so that you can really enjoy the weekend residency and spending time with your classmates. You're not running around trying to read cases and all this kind of stuff. I've also got really organized too with that. Like it's got, it's forced me to become more efficient in my life. If I know I need to like take a file tonight or study for class for an hour or two in the morning, I'll get my workout done before work, go to work, knock things out, try to get home early, spend time with the wife and get stuff done before, you know, two years ago, I'm just kind of like, Oh, I'll get up whenever work out whenever. Now I'm kind of almost, not over the top, but very intentional with what I'm doing. Put the phone down, kind of focus at work, focus at school, be present, be in the moment, uh, and just make the most of my time I have uh, so I don't get behind the ball. Because it's easy to get behind um, 
with classwork or life, as we all know. Yeah. One of the things that we talk with students about all the time is that this becomes a way of practicing some of these executive function skills, uh, that as you climb an organization, you get further and further up in the leadership uh, structure of that organization, you're going to have to do more of this stuff, right? You're going to have to be more efficient in terms of how you use your time. You're going to have to let go of some things. You're going to have to relentlessly prioritize it. What's most important right now? Um, these are things that you have an opportunity to practice while you're in this program. Um, Jared, the other thing that I always think is so interesting when students talk about reading cases, a little bit of a digression here. Um, this is something that law students also struggle with, as you might imagine. Um, one of the hardest things, and I come from a law school background, and one of the hardest things for people to figure out is like, what's going on? And why are we reading this? And how does this fit into the flow of the class generally? And so the advice that we would share with students as you read the case in reverse order. So you actually read the questions or the prompts at the end of the case first um, to create context. And then you go back and then you start reading. Actually, you'd probably read the first sentence in every paragraph to try to get a sense of the general structure of things. And then you kind of dive in a little bit more. Um, there's all kinds of hacks that you can do to kind of create some structure because your brain struggles with making meaning of information uh, if you don't know what's important, right? Um, you're just kind of reading it as if everything's important. And that can't be true to your point. Um, so having a little bit more context all of a sudden allows you to really cut through the information and say, this is important. This is an operative fact. This is something that I want to pay attention to. Yeah. And also people in our class will mention it and we'll all go, oh yeah, read the title of the class. So class may be titled tough leadership decisions. And so when you read the case, you're like, oh, there's a tough decision in this case somewhere someone has to make. If you don't read the, the title of the class, we're like, oh my gosh, the class is called accounts receivable. And if you read the case, you're like, what's the problem here? Like, I don't know. Like, it's called accounts receivable. Somewhere in the case, there's an issue with accounts receivable. Like, oh, obviously. It's like, why not read the, the class title? Um, <laughs> it's somebody's hit you in the face. Like, wow, I, that was obvious. Um, but yeah. So and the other thing that I think is sometimes an adjustment for folks is, you know, we read a lot at work, you know, emails, and maybe we look at a news story or something like that. Um, but the reality is maybe people aren't quite reading as much um, as they will come to read uh, as Darden students. Now, I, I, I know we talk a lot about books. When you were a prospective student, when you were applying in, in the run-up to the start of school, you're somebody who read a lot. Um, but maybe reading a book is a little different than reading a dark case. Any, any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I think we talked, you were reading like a book a week, maybe some, some, some of that effects. I was like one every, during COVID, like one every two weeks, I was going through books, um, maybe one a month at, at, at a slow pace during COVID. Um, but with books, I'm not sure about you, but when I read a really good book, I almost forget I'm reading a book and like a visual movie starts playing in my head. And then I'll blink and it's like two hours later, I'm like, oh, I need to go to bed. It's 1 a.m. With the cases, when I first started out, I think I was too caught up with taking notes and highlighting just to read the case. It's not just read a case. I don't even no pen or highlighter. I'll just read it like a story. Like, oh, this, this person did this. Wow, this, they opened a business. Oh, it failed. Oh, they had a problem with their accounts inventory or perhaps receivable. This is really interesting. You read like you're reading like an article in a newspaper. And then you go back or you read the questions ahead of time and then you go back and you analyze it as you're a business student. 
if you do only the analyzing portion, I feel like you miss some of the story inputs. Um, and so I try to read, I try to treat them like their books because I am fond of reading books. And if I treat it like a book, I'd be more apt to like actually read it and visualize and kind of internalize what's going on and remember it versus thinking it as, a, as an assignment or a, or a chore or a homework assignment. That's a good, that's a good tip there. Just to kind of initially sort of give it a pass, just to kind of pick up on the arc of the story and then dial in a little bit more. Um, for all of our listeners wondering about this, this is an iterative process, right? These are just tech, these are techniques, kind of tactics uh, to unpack some of this information. And I appreciate your indulging uh, these questions, uh, Jared. Uh, let's talk about the VESD, the Veteran Executive Students at Darden Student Organization. Um, one of the cool things is I think we probably had maybe three or four leadership boards for this club on here now. And uh Man, uh, the club is established. It's part of the executive MBA club landscape at this point. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a, we're staying on the shoulders of everyone who's come before to build this, build this program up and build the, the club up. Well, let's talk about what the club is. Tell us a little bit more about it. Um, so the Veterans Executive Students at Darden Club is a affinity club at uh, Darden for executive students. Um, while we do have the word veterans in our title, we are for everybody so people who are active duty like, like myself still in reservists those who are retired um and um people who did a year or two and got out and we run the gambit of all those people in our class um we have well over 20 members and the um, in the club who are active uh with some other folks who are double chapped or triple tapped with other other clubs as well um we're here for all students who are uh, looking to apply, who have been admitted, who are currently in the program, both part-time and executive, and those who are alumni of the program. I'm here to help you with everything from applying, interviewing, GI Bill questions, um, your resume writing, cover letters, interviewing for, for jobs, networking, uh, negotiations, or just moral support. Uh, we know how difficult it can be um, if you are, you know, looking to transition out of the military and start school here. It's a lot. Um, we have people in our, in our club who could help with that. You know, there's also a lot to have a family um, while doing this program. Um, uh, one of our classmates gave birth um, three months ago um, and she is an 04 in the army uh, reservist. Um, and so we, we have people at our, you know, in our club who can help out with a wide range of, of, of situations. Um, we're here to help. Yeah. I appreciate your mentioning you know, if you're a prospective student, admitted student, incoming student, however you want to think about this, uh, and you're curious about this club and organization, um, I just love the fact that you could probably find either a current student or an alum that is in a similar position to almost everybody out there. Um, whether you're, you know, single, no family, to I've got, you know, multiple kids and a, a spouse, partner that has a very full life, to uh, I'm in the reserves to I'm completely separating and I'm starting a brand new chapter of my life. I mean, the list goes on. Um, Jared, you mentioned all the things that you have going on in your life, and yet you decided to be part of the club leadership. How did you decide that you wanted to serve in this way? Well, uh, honestly, I saw that no one else had put their name up. And so I was like, well, Something, I don't know, something drew me to the program. My, my, my work at, at the Naval Academy 
um, allows me to have some flexibility. Um, I've been there for a year now. Um, and so I have some extra time that I know some of my classmates might not have. I know several of the people who would possibly be, uh, you know, interested in the program have some pretty high level jobs that take a lot of time. Um, just by the fact that no one else put their name in um, to be the president or, you know, be in a leadership position. And so I reached out to the, to the, 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 um, the previous leadership and asked, hey guys, so what all this is entail? What kind of things going on? Um, and now that I have several other members of my class on the team with me, um, we definitely share the load. Um, so I knew if I uh, volunteered to sign up, I could probably strong arm some folks to help me out with it, um, whether it was by, um, you know, by torture or by reward, some folks would, 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 would roger up and help out. And immediately uh, everyone I asked and then some came and said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be this. I'll be the you know, VP of comms or strategy or budget or even a vice president. And so it's been, it's been a blessing to have everyone on the team. It's, it's definitely a team effort because um, we're, we're looking to do a lot with, with, with the club and people on, in the program and on the club leadership team have some great ideas. So it is a definite team effort uh, to run this. Well, let's talk about what you have in, in mind for the year ahead. What, what are these ambitious plans that you're contemplating? So first off, we're looking at having, um, so I'm not sure if those listening to this uh, will be familiar, but when you have your own grounds residencies in Roslyn, on Friday night, there's usually something called Friday Night Live in which um, the program uh, staff or one of the clubs will put on an event with guest speakers, networking events, something professional, but also fun to kind of cap off the first day of your residency. And so we're looking to host one of those uh, come this October, um, looking for people of uh, in important positions in the civilian industry who had careers in the military. Um, not looking for your average, you know, three-star, four-star admiral general to come in and talk. Looking for folks who look more like us. Hey, I did eight years in the Navy, got out. Now I work here. I'm also vice president of this, which we think is more in line with folks in our class. There aren't too many four-star generals at Darden. No offense to Darden. Um, we do have two one-star generals in our class, but um, we're looking for those people who more fit the bill of the average uh, veteran or active duty person in the program, you know, maybe did five to 10 years in the Navy, got out, uh, has been crushing it in the civilian world and really could look to them for guidance, insight, pick their brain. And so we're going to have a, a wide panel of folks come in this October for our Friday Night Live. We're also looking to have more happy hours and more outside of classroom networking events for students who are interested in the program um, to kind of make everyone feel welcome answer questions in an offline kind of format, just hanging around, talking, informal events where people can come and you know, maybe bring their spouse or their kids to meet some folks and network uh, and just build a community. Um, we're also looking to help anyone outside of those things with anything they need. I, I mentioned before with resume writings, we might put on a, might put on a workshop, uh, kind of work with our careers uh, services club um, and, and those folks to put on a veterans-focused career club where we go over resumes and use our Darden uh, Career Center, Center folks to uh, tailor some of their trainings to people in the military who are in or looking to get out or have been out for a while and need a resume refresh or a LinkedIn refresh. Um, just trying to take care of the whole person, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, it's been fun to have these conversations with the new leadership just to hear early stage. What are, what are you planning? And um, Friday Night Live, yes, we've talked about it here on the podcast. It is uh, one of those things that's been really fun to see where it started to where it is now. I think it basically started with an idea and alum that approached the program and said, hey, what if, what if we had uh, the CEO of my organization come in and then started to get a little bit more structure and a little bit more structure. And now uh, there's a student-led speakers bureau where students really kind of own who is coming to speak. And that's fantastic. I think that's such a UVA uh, thing. And I appreciate your focus around, you know, trying to find folks who've kind of maybe gone through that transition phase. Um, maybe separated after five or 10 years. Now, we, we talk to people all the time who've done the full 20 years and decided to retire, but now are beginning kind of a second act in their career. But I, I think for everybody, you know, when you come out of the military world and you're now moving into the civilian world, there's a lot of ambiguity. You're not sure what the next thing is. You're trying to figure it out. You come from a very known place where the step and the next step and this, you know, it's all very clear to all of a sudden, you're trying to figure out how to translate your experience. You're trying to make your resume into something that might be more easily understood by a lay audience. You're thinking about how to re- rebrand yourself and market yourself, given all the incredible service that you have. And, and that takes work and effort. And what better uh, way to kind of learn about it than other people's experiences and to, and to make some of those connections? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, like I said earlier, we, there isn't a person in our program that couldn't offer advice or counsel on another person's situation. I think we've run the gamut from retired one star to retired chief in the Navy or you know, uh, Air Force enlisted or Army enlisted or even Marine Corps enlisted. And so we have the tools, resources, and people to help everybody out um, because a lot of us, like myself, will be getting out very soon. That is scary. I mean, I've been in the Navy since I was 18, the Naval Academy. I've never had another, besides pushing you know, carts and bagging groceries when I was 16, is the only job I've ever had. And so it is kind of nerve wracking and stressful to be like, hey, I'm, I'm a new husband, hopefully going to be a dad here in the next couple of years, you know, and I got to find a new job. And so it's, it's, it adds to that complexity of like life and stress. Uh, and if we can help anyone else with that transition or that life phase, that, that, that would be great. And we're here to do it. Was working at a grocery store your first job? Uh, I mean, I mowed grass and I was like... 14, I think, in the neighbor's grass for like, you know, 10 bucks a, a grass and five for edging the grass, whatever. But first official job was at Kroger. I was 15, was 103 all summer, 525 an hour, pushing carts, bagging groceries. Horrible. But my mom said if I wanted any like spending money with my friends, I had to do it. So there I was. All right. So if we would have wandered into a Houston area Kroger, <laughs> we, we might have seen you. Yeah, you might see me for the summer of, uh, before high school or in high school. Yeah, back in groceries. <laughs> well, Jared, I wonder um, if you have any advice, any, any suggestion. I mean, so we covered a lot of things here along the way, but a final, final word wisdom for our listeners. I would say don't stress too much about what's going to happen because like anything in life, it's, it's going to come regardless. I would say not to scare anyone, but really enjoy this last six or seven weeks, I think, before um, before LR1. If you are an admitted student, enjoy the time you have this summer with the family, your friends, kind of just hang out, relax. Um, you're going to be fine. For any student that is looking to apply, I'd say do your research for all schools. But, but if you're listening to this, I think you're already seriously considering Darden. 
uh, and please apply. Please reach out to anyone in the program that have questions for anything. Um, and then once you are in the program or if, you know, during the program, uh, spend time with your classmates. Um, you're going to learn everything you need to learn in class. You're going to be taught by world-class professors. Um, you're going to be able to absorb all the information. Um, but I think one of the biggest highlights for me to all my classmates, all my classmates, they do a really good job of letting in quality people who bring a diverse set of backgrounds of skills, um, uh, lifestyles from all over the country, from all different walks of life, from all different industries in the civilian world and in the military world also as well. Um, some of the best times I've had in the program have been with my friends outside of class for our weekend social hours or even having a beer after class, just talking about life. And you learn so much about people. Um, you never know how your life will change by meeting someone. And I think here at Darden is a wonderful place to do that. Well, Jared, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been great catching up with you and so excited to have you um, leading the, the VESD uh, in the year ahead. So I, I can't wait to see which I'll do. It sounds like you've, well, you've got all sorts of great things planned. So uh, I'm glad to hear of it. And um, good luck as you move into the uh, second year of the program. So happy for you and your classmates. Thank you. I'm really excited. And that was my interview with Jared Mack, a student in our executive MBA class of 2023 and the president of the Veteran Executive Students at Darden Student Organization. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-F-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.